1: And good morning and welcome to this uh, Monday edition of the Real Investment Show. Here it is, the pre-spring break week edition, right? Coming up, spring break, kids already, you know, trying to figure out (laughs) what they're not going to do. I asked my daughter yesterday, I said, so honey, I said, what are you going to do over spring break? She goes, I have three plans. And I'm like, really, what are these plans? She goes, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to binge watch Netflix, I'm going to eat a lot. And I'm like, sounds like a plan (laughs) for spring break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds
2: like she's gonna have a great vacation. Yeah, yeah.
1: She's just like, I'm not coming out of my room. Don't ask me to. You know, that's that's the interesting thing. Uh, we actually went to dinner um, yesterday, and, and we were sitting and talking with the kids and stuff, and it, and it was interesting because we started talking about how we grew up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that you know, when we came home from school, we were outside. The only the only rule we had was be home by the time the street lights came on. Right. Right. You used to have the dinner whistle. Yep. When Dad whistled for dinner, hauling mm-hmm. butt home. Yeah, it, t- t- talking about all those things, right? And, they, and she's just, you know, our kids listen is like, y'all are just weird. <laughs> right? What
2: planet did you grow up on? <laughs> and it just,
1: it just, you know, talking about the things that we didn't have. If you, you know, we didn't have Google. If you didn't know the answer, you just were stupid. I mean, that was. <laughs> that was it there was no google to go to you just didn't know you just went through life not knowing the answer to whatever it was or there was the world book encyclopedia i was going to tell you that that's that was one thing we did talk about is that in my house when i was growing up we had two things in our house and both of my parents were educators which makes sense mm-hmm. but uh, we had a full set of uh, britannica encyclopedias yep. and a we i uh, was it we i don't remember if it was a weekly or a month, monthly subscription i guess to national geographic so uh,
2: National Geo was monthly.
1: Was monthly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we had we had an entire bookcase full oh, of back yeah. editions of National Geographic, mm-hmm. and so you know that's what I read growing up was reading encyclopedias, mm-hmm. and that's why I have. I tell my kids all the time, this is why I have a a, a, a masterful, a, you know, collection of useless information. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know all kinds of stuff that has no relevance to anything so you know a little about a lot <laughs> I did but that was because we read encyclopedias right but it was like if you needed to know the answer you went to an encyclopedia and figured it out mm-hmm. and kids these days they just they just don't get that right they just have no clue anyway we had we had a good conversation it was just interesting to talking to them because you know they're so tied up into their phones and everything else is like you know they really miss a whole lot of what's going on in the whole world so
2: that's true the the, the, the the whole screen thing. Yeah, it's, it's a very
1: small world
2: Developmentally damaging.
1: Exactly. Uh, anyway, so a lot of stuff you really don't want to know about this morning. See, useless information. <laughs> um, <laughs> always happy to entertain. Um, let's talk about the big stuff. Went to fill up the car this weekend.
2: Oh, my
1: yeah. goodness. Had to take out a small loan for that one. Yeah uh no it's it's but it is interesting right so if you look around the country right now you know i it's 389 this morning i was driving to work it's 389 for regular gas here um it's over five dollars in like california so it is just really depends on where you live but inflation is really kind of hitting home hard in terms of higher gas prices of course oil prices today are going to spike up to 110 115 a barrel At the open uh, right now, 123 on West Texas crude, up 6.4% this morning. So, you know, you're seeing, you know, the impact of these disruptions. And, And there's two things to really take away from this. One, I hope now that we have seen the mistake of, you know, trying to cut off energy production for the sake of being green. It's awesome to be green. I have no problem with, with being you know, efficient and, and providing clean energy, but don't kill the golden goose until you're ready <laughs> to do these things. You know, Kind of getting the cart before the horse leads to a lot of problems, and I hope people now kind of get woke to the fact that killing off your main source of energy is not really that great of an idea. This is also one of those things, too, that we've talked about before, and I wrote an article for Epic Times here just recently, um, talking about the death of ESG investing and why you know you know all these ESG funds, these pension funds, etc., were kicking oil and gas companies out of their out of their portfolios. We don't want to own oil and gas companies in our portfolios. Well, I bet you do now. <laughs> so, you know, those those these are the problems with these virtue investing ideas. Look, invest your money for the sake of investing your money. Invest your money in things that are gonna make you money. Don't let your don't let your if you want to go be green, go plant a tree, right? Don't let that stuff get involved into your investing habits because A, me buying shares of, of ExxonMobil from Brent over here doesn't change anything for what the company's doing right just transferring shares from one person to another doesn't you know everybody says i want investing my beliefs that's great invest in the belief of making more money and and leave your personal biases out of it because that's how you make money over time if you want to lose money over time let your personal biases get involved into your portfolio that'll happen every single time so this is what's going on we're learning that lesson very rapidly right now Markets have been under a lot of pressure here. They're going to be under pressure again this morning. I want to put uh, I want to put a couple of things into, into context, though, because when one of the things that we do emotionally is we tie things to where we were previously. It's called anchoring. We say, well, you know, the market was here or my portfolio value was X at this one point. Now I'm down this much in my portfolio. Well, see, it, it's, it, this is called anchoring, and we've got to always keep this under perspective. You know, markets will be down this morning. We're, we've been flirting with these lows going back to October, right? We haven't really gone anywhere since the lows of October, but we're down about 10% from the peak of this year. So at the high watermark this year, we were, we were up about 10% higher than we are now, right? And so we're down 10%. And that's the way we focus on stuff. But in reality, we haven't really gone anywhere since October. So if we go back to October, we're only down about 3 4% from where we were at the peak of October. So again, keeping these things into perspective is important. And yes, the way we measure things, we look at things on a year-over-year basis, from January the 1st to December the 31st, that's our return for that year. I get it. For the purposes of kind of measuring performance and for... Um, you know, tracking where you are, you know, those those are kind of the base runs of what we do in markets. But it's important to keep things into context. We had a little bit of a break out of the market, out of this kind of trading range that we were in going back to October. And so, yes, while markets are down 10% from their peak, and if we're anchoring to that point of the peak, yes, you know, portfolios are under a lot of pressure. But if we just keep it in perspective that we're just basically where we were trading just in October of last year, right just five six months ago we really haven't gone anywhere the markets haven't done anything and this is despite the fact we've got seven and a half percent inflation we've got war in the ukraine we've got all these things going on markets have not done anything as of late um, really because of of underlying fundamentals and, and those type of things so just trying to keep some of these things in perspective relative to the markets it does two things for you one it keeps you from making emotionally based decisions. I'm getting a lot of emails from people. Oh my gosh, I just want to get out of the markets. i just, you know, you know, this is, you know, I'm losing too much money, etc. Well, you are losing money from, again, that peak. But markets were up almost 30% last year. So are you really losing money over the course of the last two years? Again, We've got to keep, you know, we keep these things into perspective. All of a sudden, they're not they're not quite as scary as as the kind of the mainstream media wants to make them out to be because again, markets have had a phenomenal run ever since the March 2020 lows. Markets are up 120% from their lows. Yeah, we're down 10% from this peak. But if you look at it in a longer-term basis, you're going, well, that's not really that much. And that's the, whole, that's the whole point here is that, yes, things are under a lot of pressure right now. And the one things that we don't want to do as investors is make these emotionally-based decisions, making decisions based upon just small fractional movements in markets over time. So keep, keep the bigger picture in, in terms of, of your longer-term goals into perspective. But, you know, we have to manage risk. We can't just avoid and and negate risk. We do need to pay attention to these things. But we'll talk some more about that this morning, Uh, the impact of higher oil prices. What's that going to do for the Fed and your money? Be right back after the break.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. FAFSA.
2: It's FAFSA season, that crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and dealing with FAFSA season. realinvestmentadvice.com
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: Show this morning. So, oil prices, markets, and a big problem for the Fed coming up here. So, you know, we've been talking about inflation over the last, you know, few months here. Obviously, it's been a big headline as, you know, inflation surges 7.5%. And again, why do we have inflation? Well, as is always the case, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And I've actually wrote an article on that this morning. It's on the website talking about inflation, where it comes from, and how it works. But now we have this kind of, you know, this um, exogenous event that's going on with this war in Russia, Ukraine, that is shutting off oil supplies, or at least concerns about it at this point. The people are, you know, markets are concerned about sanctions on Russian oil. It hasn't happened yet, but people are concerned about it. This morning, uh, news headlines are saying that Saudi Arabia pretty much says they don't care what President Biden thinks. They're going to enjoy high oil prices, and they're probably not going to pump any more oil, right? So this is contributing to the inflation push in the markets which is problematic for the Fed because this should push the Fed to hike rates more aggressively. The problem becomes the fact that there's another side of these prices, which is that high oil prices are a tightening of monetary policy. Because, why? again, we go back to talking about why does the Fed hike rates? The Fed hikes rates to remove liquidity from the system. Well, how do you remove liquidity from the system, right? You make things more expensive. I raise the cost of borrowing. Payments go up. That extracts liquidity from the system as people, A, spend more money on debt service, but, B, say, well, you know, I'll wait till rates come back down again before I go borrow some more money to buy a house or whatever. So tighter monetary policy is used to slow economic growth, which in turn reduces demand, which in turn reduces inflation. That's just the, the sequence of events, right? You can't just attack inflation. That's not possible. Inflation is a function of too much demand over too little supply, too much money chasing too few goods. That's why inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. The problem for the Fed is now is that they want to hike rates, but monetary policy is is tightening rapidly. In fact, monetary policy is now just about as tight as where we were back in 2018 when the Fed was hiking rates. And yet we're still at zero here. And the Fed wants to hike rates because as they're hiking rates, that slows economic growth and then as economic growth gets to the point then the Fed says okay now I can lower rates to help stimulate economic growth the problem is you're at zero and if you don't raise rates you've got nowhere to go in the next recession the problem is is that high oil prices and again I went to we drove by Costco this weekend and the lines at Costco were just you know yards you know just down the street lined up to get gas everybody's trying to get gas before gas prices go up even more so not surprising right oil prices will be up sharply today that will show up at the gas pump in a couple of weeks and what's interesting is you know this is where often we'll start seeing People come out and go, well, we need to boycott ExxonMobil so that, you know, they're just making too much money on oil prices. And, you know, that's, you know, we're just gonna boycott ExxonMobil and, you know, don't, you know, don't uh don't buy anything from ExxonMobil gas stations because, you know, they're they're charging too much, they're gouging consumers. ExxonMobil doesn't set the price at the corner gas station, right? <laughs> that's your local neighbor that owns that gas station. And he sets prices according to what the guy across the street is setting prices at. And that's just retail. The problem here, though, is for the Fed, is that this all is slowing economic growth. People are running to the pumps to fill up their cars. They're not buying more gas, as we've talked about before. They're just paying more for it. And that's eating into their ability to buy other stuff. That's slowing monetary movement in the economy. Couple that with already higher interest rates on the 10-year Treasury. Couple that with weak financial markets, which is impacting consumer psychology. Couple that with headlines, you know, every minute in the media about what's going on in the Ukraine and the threat of nuclear war is imminent and headlines of people, you know, record numbers of people lining up to buy bunkers and It's scary, right? So what do people do? They stop spending money. Better hunker down. So what this does is is this accelerates the pace of the economic slowdown, and yet the Fed hasn't even hiked rates yet. And yet they're already getting the effect that you want, ultimately. And Again, we're talking about longer term here now again, we've talked about this before, is that high prices are a cure for high prices. So oil prices are going up. Inflation will follow, obviously. But at some point, you crimp off demand and prices begin to fall. So this is this is the problem that we've got going on now, which is, for the Fed, is intractable at this point. So, you know, the problem here is that if we began to hike interest rates and if we began to raise the cost of borrowing money we're going to have a sharp a very sharp correction domestically in economic growth and this is just where we're headed to right now and so this becomes a problem for kind of everything else that feeds into the economy you know it, there's an interesting indicator to look at if you take a look at unemployment as a good example Unemployment, on, so on Friday we had the jobs report. Jobs report was very strong, 600,000-plus jobs, unemployment rate down into the threes, right? And you go, wow, the economy's booming, right? We are going on all cylinders here. Uh, we've got unemployment rate below 4%, pretty amazing. That's a very interesting indicator because when you have... Near or at record lows of unemployment, which is where we are. That is actually pre recessionary. Now, this is, everybody just was like, what? You have record levels or record low levels of unemployment or record high levels of employment just prior to the onset of a recession. Why is that? Because that's actually a form of monetary tightening in this manner, right? What's going on with wages, right? Everybody's, everybody's getting a job. If you want a job, you go out and get a job and people are job hopping right now. Why? Because wages are going up. Well, if wages are going up, what's that doing to profit margins for business? What's that doing for, you know, inflationary pressures, et cetera? Those are all accelerating. So that's, that's impacting the cost of goods and services that get passed back on to consumers. So this is, this is all part and parcel of this monetary tightening. Record low unemployment is a part of monetary tightening. I know that seems counterintuitive, but this is all a function about cost and what impacts the economic, or I should say the speed of economic activity. So as we as we you know wheat prices surging right now which means the cost of bread and everything made out of wheat is going to cost you more at the gas station, at the grocery store oil price is going up more price, you know more cost there all the all these areas are extracting capital from the consumer and reducing their ability to spend in the economy and remember you know it's interesting we talk about high oil prices and we go well oil prices are high oil prices are good because oil companies will spend more on capex in order to drill more for oil that's true and that's actually a a a plus for the gdp calculation the problem is is that business investment in capex into GD, into the gdp cal, gdp calculation is actually a very small little factor versus Consumption, which is 70% of the calculation, you could, you could triple <laughs> business investment and CapEx. But if the consumer is slowing drastically, it's not going to matter. And that's the big component here. We're so dependent now on consumption. To drive economic growth that these factors high oil prices high inflation jobs all those type of things factor very quickly into a slower economic environment that's the challenge for the fed going forward this is the the problem for the fed is that they're very close to being trapped at zero which is a terrible place for a central bank to be Be right back after the break.
2: It's FAFSA season, that crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA, FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and
0: dealing with FAFSA season, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to the Real Investment Show.
2: Good
1: morning and welcome back to the show. It's 6:33. Uh, I want to touch on something that, you know, we were just kind of talking a little bit, you know, about high oil prices. And I made the comment about, you know, don't blame your local gas station. You know, this is always the mistake that people make. They assume that oil companies are the ones setting the prices at gas stations. And that's not the way it works. But this this brings up a bigger point. There, there was a comment recently, and we, we wrote an article about this on our website today. But... Over the last year or two in particular, you know, there's our our politicians in Washington have been attacking corporations, right? Rich people need to pay their fair share. We need to tax the rich people more, et cetera, so forth and so on. Well, the top 10% of Americans pay 90% of the taxes, so I'm not sure exactly how much more you can tax them. But, yeah, that's the problem here. Bottom 50% of Americans pay little or no taxes and actually the bottom 20% get money back from the government every year. So, you know, this is, you know, uh, the problem is that we have people running our government that really don't understand basic economics, which is the challenge. And that's when we keep coming up with stupid policies that, you know, cause problems like we have now with inflation. But, you know, we have inflation because of what they did. But yet Nancy Pelosi and others are going, well, it's greedy corporations causing inflation. Well, that's not true. And if you want to think about it for just a moment, right, we had below 2% inflation for over a decade. Well, actually, ever since the turn of the century, we've had 2.1% inflation ever since the turn of the century. It's been a little higher, a little lower, but mostly, and we spent the last five, six, seven, eight years with inflation well below 2%, and interest rates were, you know, around 1%, and the Fed was concerned about deflation more than inflation. So if corporations are causing inflation, why did they just decide now to start causing inflation? Why didn't they, why didn't they cause inflation, you know, five years ago where they could make more money if corporations cause inflation Corporations don't cause inflation; they respond to inflation. But this brings up the point, and you know we, use this, uh, we used this we use this line earlier on the show because it's thrown about quite often. Is that when everybody talks about inflation, somebody invariably throws out, "Well, as Milton Friedman once said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon." But then they stop there; they don't ever read the rest of the quote. And I actually have a link to a speech in our article today, if you want to go listen to it, uh, of Milton Friedman giving this speech. And he goes through the cause, consequences, and solutions for inflation. But let me finish the quote for you. I'm just going to read this. This is from Milton Friedman. It is always, inflation, it is always and everywhere a result of too much money, of a more rapid increase of money than of output. So think about that. In March of 2020, I'm not through with this quote yet, but just pausing. In March of 2020, we shut down the economy. Okay, what's happening to production when you shut down the economy? There is no production. And at the same time, we give everybody money to spend, so what do they do with it? They spend it. Problem is, there's no production to replace inventory that's getting sold. So as I'm buying inventory off the shelf, there's no inventory to replace it. And, you know, prior to the 1970s, companies always ran with fairly high levels of inventory. So there was always plenty of inventory available because it took weeks to ship stuff from here to there to to someplace else. So inventories were always held high. And then beginning in the 70s and 80s, we decided to adopt the just-in-time method of inventory management from the Japanese where we could maintain lower levels of inventory, which is a cost-benefit for companies, because we could get things quicker. We could ship them. We could fly them. We didn't have to slow boat them from China. We could fly them from China. And then we developed overnight deliveries and... Same day deliveries, and pretty soon Amazon will just ship stuff to your house that you're thinking about before you even think about it. So it'll just show up. <laughs> but companies no longer maintain high inventory levels. So when you have a problem like a shutdown of the economy, all of a sudden you've got no inventory, and now everybody's out spending money on what's left, which does what to prices? Sends them higher. So as he says, I quote again, is always and everywhere, a result of too much money, of a more rapid increase of money, $5 trillion worth of liquidity investments, than of output. Moreover, and I continue now, moreover in the modern era, the important next step is to recognize that today the governments control the quantity of money so that as a result, inflation in the United States is made in Washington and nowhere else. Of course, no government any more than any of us, likes the responsibility for bad things which is why nancy pelosi blames greedy corporations all of us are humans if something bad happens it wasn't our fault and the government is the same way so it doesn't accept responsibility for inflation if you listen to people in washington talk again i'm quoting from milton friedman they will tell you that inflation is produced by greedy businessmen Or it's produced by grasping unions. Or it's produced by spendthrift consumers. Or maybe it's those terrible Arab sheiks who are producing inflation. But none of them produce inflation for the very simple reason that neither the businessman nor the trade union nor the housewife have a printing press in their basement on which they can turn out those green pieces of paper we call money. Only Washington has the printing press, and therefore only Washington can produce inflation. And that's a very true fact. In fact, if you take a look at the money supply, which surged dramatically, there's about a nine-month lag between monetary supply and inflation, and guess what inflation did? Now, we have a temporarily impact We have a temporary impact on inflation because of high oil prices now because of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. When that is over and things come back online, those prices will fall. And this is one of the the things, the challenges that you've got to be careful of right now as an investor is that what happens in Russia and Ukraine will end. In some form, it will end. And when it ends, these price increases will reverse. So it's important to be paying attention to if you're long oil and commodities and doing a lot of these speculative trades right now, that's fine. You're making money. Don't forget to sell. Because when these things are over, as they will be, these things will reverse. Inflation is not always and everywhere a permanent phenomenon. Inflation will cause a recession. And when you have a recession, you have a drop in demand. We have a drop in demand. Prices fall. It is the deflationary and in place. So again, just don't forget. And this is the big problem for investors. They tend to forget there's two sides of every trade. There is the buy. And if you got the buy right, that's awesome. Don't forget to sell right. Don't be greedy. Bulls and bears make money. Hogs get slaughtered is the old statement, and that's very true, particularly in this situation. Now, this how long is this going to last? Who knows? Can oil prices go from here to $300 a barrel? Probably not. Because of the economic consequence, it'll happen long before we get there. But these are the things that you want to be paying attention to. And as we talk about in today's article specifically is that it's not the fault of anyone other than washington for why you have inflation shutting down the economy was a terrible idea it served no purpose whatsoever other than destroying a lot of job growth (laughs) And it's interesting now we're getting jobs back and we're all going, yay, we've got 3.8% you know, unemployment. We're below 4%. We're near a record low level of unemployment. We're not even back to employment levels that we were pre-pandemic. So all of the job gains that we've been all talking about are simply just putting people back to work that we laid off in March of 2020. What have you done, Really? Now, it's interesting to hear Joe Biden talk about, the, you know, this is the strongest economy we've had. Look at the employment gains we're having, yeah, you shut down the economy. What did you expect to happen when you hire people back? Again, you're not creating new jobs. You're not creating more jobs. You're just giving people jobs back <laughs> that you that you were forced to terminate. So these are the lessons hopefully that we learn. And these are the lessons that we will hopefully learn from as we go forward. But what's important to understand is that these levels of inflation are unsustainable. The impact from these high levels of inflation is recession. Or I heard a great word this morning. Nobody likes the word recession because it just sounds terrible. So we're going to call it slobalization is the new word slobalization the new word for you today i like that yes take that to work with you throw that one around a few times don't do it while you're drinking it comes out all kinds of weird be right back after the break don't go away
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. FAFSA.
2: It's FAFSA season, that crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA, FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and dealing with FAFSA season. realinvestmentadvice.com
0: the Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. Take your question, comments. Always on our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Swing by there. Uh, Big box at the top. Feel free to ask any questions that you have regarding whatever. We'll answer them for you. It doesn't really matter. You know, so I'm just looking looking at a graphic. Now, look, I am not a military expert. I want to say that right up front. But I do have a question. And if somebody wants to email me the answer, go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com and email it to me. But Here's some stats real quick. Active personnel in the military, Russia 900,000, Ukraine 200,000. Reserve personnel, 2 million in Russia versus 900,000 in the Ukraine. Artillery seventy-five, seventy-one in Russia, 2,000 in Ukraine. Armored vehicles, 30,000 versus 12,000. Tanks, 12,000 versus 2, 2,500. Attack helicopters, 544 versus 34. Fighter aircraft, 1,511 versus 98. Um... And i'm sitting here looking at what's going on with with this invasion of ukraine and it's this slow it's this slow roll right it's just this very slow roll and you know it would seem to me that you know there's a lot of you know commentary about you know russia's invading the ukraine and they're going to take it over etc but it would seem to me that given the sheer differences in size of the military that if his intent was to take over the ukraine that you would have launched a much stronger campaign than you have at this point. It seems to me more that he's pushing at this point for some negotiation, and nobody's negotiating what he wants. And he and, and right now the negotiation keeps breaking down between Russia and Ukraine. He doesn't, you know. My thought is he doesn't really want to, you know, negotiate with Ukraine. He wants to negotiate with the West for whatever it is he wants. I have no idea what he wants, but. It just seems interesting that this is a very slow-rolling invasion. And, yes, you have a funny look on your it's face. It's
2: certainly not a blitzkrieg.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if
2: you're going to do it, do it.
1: Well, that's that's what you think. Like, for instance, they're talking about the NATO. To The news headlines today is NATO is going back and forth over establishing a no-fly zone. The problem with establishing a no-fly zone is that if NATO gets involved to do that, then you've got to take out the anti-aircraft Missiles and silos, etc., that are in Belarus and Crimea and along the Russian border. So now it's NATO actually attacking Russia, and this is not what you want. This is <laughs> that's that's getting you to the full-scale war thing, right? But you know, it would just seem to me it's like if you wanted to establish dominance, you would establish, you would have taken over the airspace fairly quickly. That would have been your first thing. But they haven't done that yet. So, what do you give me the comments? Again, I'm not a military expert here. I'm just asking. Well, I'm asking a question.
2: It, it's it's on the uh, the YouTube chat.
1: Yeah. Somebody. You have to show me. I can see it.
2: No, well, I can't read it from there. Oh, got it. Uh, and, of course, this is from Richard. Of course, yes. Okay, so you got to consider the source. I'll just share this only with you, but after the show, Lance dons frilly shoulder pads with four gold stars. There you go.
1: Exactly. But... You know, this is the the, so this is the question is, is and and where we're getting to is and and the question that we're asking is, is where does this end? You know, what is the 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 end game of all of this and how does that affect the outcome? Right. So we were just talking about for the break that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, but yet you have a exogenous event right now of supply and demand. You have a global demand for energy, and now you have a cramp in the supply of oil coming out of Russia. So once this is resolved, no matter how it's resolved, at some point you've got to turn, remove those sanctions and allow the world to start to get back into normal order, right? That's the whole goal of all this. And then once you have supply come back online, then, then... you know, prices will fall from there, and those will become deflationary fairly quickly. But here's, here's the other side of this whole situation that we should learn a lesson from. And, and I mentioned this at the outset of the show, but Elon Musk, of all people, came out and says that Europe needs to restart their nuclear plants and the U.S. needs to boost oil and gas output immediately. And again, as we talked about earlier on the show, the you know the the thing, the lesson that we should learn from this is that, as uh, Kermit the Frog once said, "It's good to be green," right? But. You have to be green at the right time and you have to be prepared for it. It's not something where you say, well, we're all going to be green, so let's all go get on to electric vehicles now because electricity just shows up magically from the atmosphere. We don't actually have to produce electricity through the use of oil and coal and other byproducts and so let's get rid you know let's let's shove off all these oil companies let's you know boycott them whatever we're going to do let's tax them more remove their incentives you know bad oil companies mean oil companies terrible oil companies wait I don't like five dollar a gallon gas well what do you think it's going to be when everybody's trying to be on electric vehicles and you're trying to pull electricity from a grid You thought gas was expensive? Wait till you see your electric bills in the future. But see, this is the problem with making these changes without being ready to make these changes. You need a tremendous amount of supply of clean electricity to fuel these clean cars, clean houses, clean everything else you want. The idea is fantastic. The implementation is terrible. The outcome is worse. And this is how all these things eventually die. You know, we talk, we've talked we talked about before, is it back in the late 90s, that we were all about SIN stocks, right? Nobody We didn't want to own SIN stocks, so everybody jettisoned out of their portfolio anything that was related to a SIN-type stock, right? So no gambling. No, um, you know, alcohol, no nothing. Right. So tobacco gone. Those were the best performing stocks like over the next five, ten years. And since stock investing quickly died a, a death because everybody's like, wait, I'm missing out on all these returns. I'm going to go buy those stocks. Same thing will happen here. And. Companies now that, you know, last year we heard all these pension funds that were going, oh, we're getting rid of all our oil and gas stocks. We're divesting ourselves of oil and gas. Uh, But they wish they wouldn't have now. That's how things tend to happen. But the point here is that ultimately this ends. And the question now is that where are you going to be positioned when this eventually ends? And what is going to be the outcome Of all these things. And as we were talking about in the last segment, is that the Fed is in a very tough spot here because they need to tighten monetary policy by hiking interest rates to try to quell inflation, which is going to take care of itself. And yet the Fed is caught at zero right now with the economy heading towards a recession. And that's just a function of time. The faster they try to hike rates, the faster that they're going to increase the slobalization. <laughs> yes, sir. No,
2: it's just our word of the day. <laughs> <I> guess. <laughs> true.
1: But this is this is the these are the outcomes, and so the 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 thing that we have to do as investors is to not only. Realize where we are in this part of the cycle, but then also realize where we're going to be coming out of the cycle. And I find this—I also find this very interesting. Let's go back to our opening comments for the day, which was showing you a graph of the S and P going back to October of last year, just October. We're down about five percent from the peak in October. And again, we talked about anchoring. You know, we're all focused on the, the all-time highs uh, earlier this year. And we're down 10% from the all-time highs, and it's terrible. But look at what's going on in the world. We've got 7.5% inflation. we got the Fed on the verge of tightening monetary policy. You've got this war, this conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine. Gas prices at $5 a gallon in California and $4 a gallon in Texas. And you've got interest rates going up, and you've got all these other things. And the market's only down 10%. Don't let emotions invade what's going on with your portfolio. There are certainly areas of the market getting hit harder than others, but don't forget the fact that markets are up 120% from their lows at the peak. We're down 10% from that peak. And if you look at headlines, any moment you're going to have on CNBC, markets in turmoil. That's typically a good time to start buying stocks. I know that's hard to understand. That's hard to kind of fathom with all this stuff going on. I mean, people are, you know, right now you, you cannot buy iodine on Amazon. Sold out. Because we're apparently going to have nuclear attacks here in the U.S. So we need to have plenty of iodine. Need a room in your house with no windows and no vent that you can live in for two weeks with plenty of water and food and a portable toilet. These things are all getting sold off like crazy. By the way, did you know that you can buy a radiation suit online for 10 bucks? Really? Yeah, I'm not sure that's actually going to help you. (laughs) That's
2: going to be the next fashion statement at cons yeah. you just watch.
1: Well, it'll definitely be the Halloween costume du jour <laughs> this year. But there's two, there's two types of radiation suits online. One for $10, one for 300 I think I would opt for the more expensive. This is like going to a cut-rate surgeon for brain, <laughs> for brain surgery, right? You just, there's some things you don't skimp on in life. I think a radi- if you're worried about nuclear fallout, I don't think you skimp on the radiation suit. <laughs> All right. Futures are down this morning. Uh, S&P down about 35 points right now. Dow down, down to, uh, 300. NASDAQ down 129. Much off their lows of last night. So we'll see how this is done. Oil prices also off their highs this morning as well. We'll have three minutes on markets and money coming up here shortly, going over the markets and your money. Uh, stick here at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. Since your questions and comments, see you back here
0: tomorrow.